small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away, a song away, a song away. Hey, everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis. And joining me in the Zoom room today, she's been here before. She's going to be here again. She's an amazing photographer. If I may, can I say you're a rock chick? Please. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm an 80s rock chick. All the way. Please welcome to promote her new book, Immortal Axes, Guitars That Rock, Lisa S. Johnson. Lisa, welcome back. Hey, Pat. Thanks so much for having me back. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, too. I, uh... I love the term rock chick because I don't think that's a negative thing. I think that's a positive thing. Absolutely. And I yeah. felt, I it's felt cool like <laughs> it's a cool thing. And I felt like you would definitely uh, appreciate it and wear that as a badge of honor. I certainly do. <laughs> I love my, my uh, rock and roll more than anything. It's the best. So let's get into this immortal axes guitars that rock 388 pages of rock and roll greatness. 157 artists are in this book, to my, by my count. Mm-hmm. Now, the last time you were here, your book was 108 rock star guitars. Why didn't we call this volume two? Why is this Immortal Axis? A couple reasons. One, uh, I was getting feedback that volume two sounds like it's lesser than. Ah, okay. And it absolutely is not. It is equal to or greater than because this book's got Jimi Hendrix, four of his guitars in it, and Elvis Presley and Dave Grohl and Malcolm Young. I mean, it it doesn't get any greater than that. So, you know, uh, that's number one reason. Number two is I have a different publisher. So the new publisher wanted to release the book under a title that wasn't associated with the book, another book title to avoid confusion. Right. So um, I was actually working on a TV show. We, we, um, we put the, uh, you know, the synopsis together of it and we called it mortal and immortal axes because both the living artists and passed away artists uh, are featured in this book. And uh, I started two Instagram channels to try to get a test for it. I didn't post anything. I okay. just started the channels, Immortal Axes and Mortal and Immortal Axes. And I, without doing anything, I got 50 followers on the Immortal Axes and nothing on the Mortal and Immortal. So that kind of told the story. And then we were at uh, the NAMM show and I interview artists all weekend long. And I was asking them the question, if you could hold or play the most mortal or immortal guitar to you what would it be and they were confused with the question mortal immortal what so we reduced it to just tell us which most immortal axis you would like to play and then they got the question right away so that's how we made the um the choice excellent well it's a great title and uh i do think this book is is better than the first book oh thank you yeah I, (laughs) i like i mean look the first book is a 10 and let's say this one's a 10 plus. Uh, Well, let's just give it an 11. Okay. Let's go all the way to 11. The British invasion is covered in here. You got guitars from the Beatles, the who the Rolling Stones and the kinks, the big four, you got them all in here. It's amazing. Do you have to travel? Did you travel around the world to get some of these or was everything pretty much in the States? No, you, I've traveled around the world. You know, it's mostly New York, LA, Las Vegas, and the UK is where I've photographed most of the guitars. And uh, I went to the UK quite a few times to, to, for this book. Back and forth, back and forth. You know, you get, a, you get a request and they say yes. And you're like, okay, I'm coming over. And then, you know, a couple of months later, someone else would say yes. And they were over there. Uh, so, but I don't mind. I don't mind traveling. I, no. um, I enjoy it. it gives, it's, it's for the worthy cause. And one of my last photo shoots was with Paul McCartney, 63 Hofner Bass at his studio in uh, the UK. During COVID, so now, away I went. Now, when you get to photograph Paul McCartney's Hofner bass, is he there? He was not there. Uh, oftentimes, the artists are there. Um, in this case, Paul was not there. He was very busy launching his new album and mm-hmm. doing uh, media for that himself. So I worked with his longtime guitar tech and road manager, 
uh, and wonderful gentleman. And uh, we had a great day together photographing his amazing base in his studio. I laid down a blue velvet regal uh, uh, background for it on a bench of a very amazing harpsichord that he's played over, over the years on many of the Beatles albums and his own albums and I just absolutely it's one of my favorite images in the book resting on the bench with the keys behind it. you when you're traveling how many different backgrounds do you take with you because you probably don't know exactly how it's going to look on any given background until you have the lighting and everything in place yeah i i travel light too i don't like to check baggage mm -hmm. um in in this case i had to because i have a big rolling case and so i i check it and i put two backgrounds maybe three backgrounds and in the hopes that I'm not going to actually have to use them because I really love to use the ambient atmosphere mm -hmm. if I can. Uh, but in the case of going to Paul's studio, his equipment, it was, uh, you know, his studio room where he records and it was all equipment in there and draped with fabric. So it, it just made the most sense for me to use my own and that harpsichord was sitting there and it was the only instrument that was undraped so I could actually see it. Okay. And um, it was perfect for the background. Now, do you actually touch the guitar? Are you positioning it or do you, are you asking the assistant to uh, the, like Paul's handler to do that? Right. 99.9% uh, .9 of the time I handle the guitar. Um, it's just easier. Mm -hmm. in, in this case with Paul's bass, uh, his... His tech handled it more. Um, I did a little bit, but, um, you know, if it needed a big move, you know, he would do it for me. Right. At the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, when I when I handled um, uh, David Gilmore's guitar, we kind of both did it together. At the Museum of Pop Culture with Jimi um, Jimi Hendrix's White Woodstock Strat, they exclusively handled it. I was not allowed to touch it. Um, but for the most part, I handled the guitars, yeah. Yeah, I'm turning to the page in the book with Paul McCartney, page 292. It's 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 just so excellent, and you get um you really get the detail uh, out of these guitars. Like you can see, like the little I don't know if it's a pick mark or a scuff mark on the front, but um, uh, I mean you can really That's feel etching, for, you know, from his from his thumb. Yeah, from his thumb, he probably has a blister from that from that area right there. Yeah, and you can see there's so many photographs of Paul holding that guitar and you can see that wear. Like yeah. there's recent photographs of him and, and it's, it's really nice because you you know it's his. You know it's his original 63 Hofner bass. The original one was stolen. And so this was his second one that he had and he still has it. And it's, and it's my vintage. It's the year I was born. So it, I love it. I always wonder what happens when, when that guitar gets, that when that bass gets stolen, the person can't resell it. They can only... They probably can't even tell people they have it. What do they do with it? It's Well, it was stolen many, many years ago, mm -hmm. you know. So back in those days, maybe they could resell them easier. Maybe. Especially if they held on to them for a little while. They never recovered it. They did put an ad out recently, like in the last five to ten years. Mm -hmm. Anyone who might have Paul McCartney original Hofner bass, and they didn't get a single... Nothing response wow he's tried to find it and it's so they have a feeling that maybe it's just one of those things like it got picked up and somehow got thrown in the trash you know like that kind of stuff happens too i've lost rings that way you know rings that are too loose and you throw something in the trash yep. can and you don't notice that it's gone and there it is that's you know? true so, yeah is it um is it less nerve-wracking if the artist isn't there like if paul mccartney was in the room with you you'd probably be a little nervous it's paul mccartney yeah. Um, I am usually pretty calm. I don't really get starstruck. Yeah. Um, I'm a yogi, so I manage my, my breath and, um, 
my demeanor that way. But um, yeah, I mean, especially if they're watching. Um, in a way, sometimes when the artist is there, I think they're a little bit fascinated with how you might handle their guitar. Oh, that's true. And sometimes they will say, careful, you know, careful of the headstock. <laughs> right. Or, or they want you to prop the headstock up because necks can break off, the headstock yeah. can break off. And some of them are particular that way. Um, but literally like 85% of the time, I'm just like flipping that guitar around and moving it around and they can see that I'm, I, I can handle the guitar. Yeah. I mean, I, I can, I know how to move it around quickly and, but, but, uh, in a way that is with finesse, you know, so I know the weight and the balance of guitars after handling so many, you know, that, and I only get an hour to work with them. So I have to figure out how to move them quickly, efficiently in, in the angle of the light. And, you know, so I'm mm -hmm. not having to move the guitar that much. I move the lights around and I move around the guitar. So I try to keep it as stationary as possible. So after an hour, when you're leaving there, has there ever been a time where in your head you thought, I, I don't think I, I don't think I got it. Yeah, there were times, especially when I was shooting film, mm -hmm. you don't know what you got, you know, you, yeah. know, you just like, oh man, I hope I got that. And, you know, you feel like until you get your film processed mm -hmm. and you, you know, you don't, can't see anything until that. But nowadays digital is much more instantaneous and you can look in the back of the viewfinder um, of what you have. So you do have more confidence of what you got <laughs> and really know the true, true until you get home and you upload it on your on, and then it's like, wow, you're like, oh, wow, you, I, I really got it. And there, there's been a couple of times where I, I wish I had done better, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but for the most part, I'm pretty happy. That's good. Yeah. Now, you talked about not getting starstruck. I don't get starstruck either. But there were two people that I interviewed in person that I was starstruck by. And one of the people was in this book. First person is Stuart Copeland. The second person is Nancy Wilson. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but I've been around Nancy a few times and yeah. I dig her. She's, she's my girl, man. I love Nancy. though and so I, she's so beautiful i can imagine like being in front of here right and, like, yeah it's uh yeah a little bit of a crush from the mtv days and then when uh when she walks in in person and she's just so nice and just uh just charming and still beautiful yeah i was like oh boy here we go but um <laughs> but uh her book is a 19 i mean her guitar is a 1978 prs custom 12 string and it's gorgeous yeah. in the book it's got like a dragon. Um, is that painted on? No, that's abalone inlay. And that's oh, the very wow. first 12 string guitar that Paul Reed Smith made. Wow. And he wanted Nancy to have it. And so he called her up and told her, I've got this 12 string. I think you should be the owner of it. And she said, I'll take it if you put a dragon <laughs> inlay in there for me. And he did. And so she get, she got it. Wow. Now, in the book... There's um there's text with each one of these guitars. Are you the author of the text? I am. Yeah. Excellent. So I write, I take notes about the guitar and mm -hmm. stories they tell me about the guitars when I'm shooting them. And then I come home and I, I write that down. And then sometimes I may or may not have enough guitar information. So I'll research online about that. And, uh, and then I write it and then I have an editor. So this time, this book, my editor was uh, Brad Talinsky. So blessed to work with him. He's very knowledgeable about guitars and he's interviewed all these artists at some point or another for the most part. So um, he was able to help fill in any blanks that we had or, uh, on, on the technical aspects of the guitars. 
So I do the writing and then um, you have a, a great editor that can edit it down because I can get a little lengthy, you mm-hmm. know, so he helped to massage it to gotcha. just get to the point more. Now, the way that an artist would sequence the songs on their album, you kind of have to sequence the way the pictures are going to flow throughout this book. How do you do that? How do you decide, well, this is going to be uh, the first artist and, you know, how does it, how do you yeah. do that? It's an organic process because I, I photograph all these guitars and then when I, when I start putting the book together and I'm writing the stories mm-hmm. out and then I'm writing in a, an aspect of the story like, um, here's Nancy Wilson's guitar and then it's a Paul, it's Paul Reed Smith's very first guitar and then I'm like in my head going the next guitar in the book should be Paul Reed Smith gotcha. you know you flip the page or vice versa I can't mm-hmm. remember right now off the top of my head who comes first in the book but uh, I might have been writing about Paul and then you switched it and then it's because Paul Reed Smith's uh, two of his very personal guitars are also featured in the book um, and also Howard Lease has uh, a very special Paul Reed Smith it was the very first uh, PRS guitar that Paul made in his signature shape that he maintained future forward yeah. and had the, the, the birds on the fretboard and he has it, he calls it the golden mm-hmm. Eagle. And when, uh, when the Woolsey fire came through California, Howard's house burned down and all his amazing guitars. He had, he had pre war L five guitars and, um, they burned in the fire. He had Al Viola's Frank Sinatra's guitar players. Oh my Al God. Five guitar that burned in the fire, but he grabbed the golden mm-hmm. Eagle, Paul Reed Smith, and he got that. Good. Um, so, you know, I, I think Paul Reed Smith and um, Howard Lease and Nancy Wilson are all in there together because it's nice for the reader to, to flip through and it flows for them, you know? Well, I think the first, the first artist is the person who did the forward for you, Peter Frampton. Yeah. How did you get Peter Frampton to do the forward for you? <laughs> Well, I think it's years of relationship. I mean, I don't really know Peter personally. I've spoken with him uh, over the phone mm-hmm. extensively. Um, but we've actually never per- met in person because when I photographed his first, the first time for my first book, it was his signature Les Paul, the black three pickup Les Paul right. that has his name written in the front board. Um, and when I left that photo shoot that day, he'd cut all his hair off and he had short hair and I didn't recognize him. I walked right past him. I didn't see him. I was, Oh my God, for, you know, long fluffy hair. So I didn't even, I said, see you guys, you know, and I, as I was leaving <laughs> the shoot and I was walking past his guitar tech and I was kind of saying goodbye to him, but I didn't recognize it was Peter who he was walking with. But anyway, um, when he found that guitar, I was already working on the second book. Yeah. The first book actually was just had was just launching and he'd found the guitar. So um, I've been after him for eight years mm-hmm. saying, can I photograph the Phoenix? And it didn't align. And finally, I it was toward the end of this book. And I said, this is closing out. And I really need that guitar because it's the ultimate immortal acts. And right. you know, I want it from the first book to carry on the story. And so we, we it, it happened to work out. I went to Nashville and photographed the Phoenix along with uh, three of his other very important guitars. Uh, the, the Texan ex- Epiphone Texan that he wrote and recorded Baby I Love Your Way and Do You Feel Like We Do on the same day After the shoot, you know, I I just felt like this guitar was emanating. The Phoenix was just emanating its story and its immortality because Mm -hmm. it really did rise from the ashes and it deserved that name, Phoenix. And I wrote and said, you know, it's it's the ultimate immortal acts. That's the title of the book. Your first guitar was in the first book. Uh, I would love to bridge that into this second book. And would you write the foreword? I think you've got something to, to share with us, and he did. That's great. And and the Phoenix is beat up on the back, man. It is, it is road-weary for sure. Yeah. He repaired it, 
had it repaired once he got it back, but he left all of the the um, the road wear and the burn wear and the accident wear, yeah. you know, the plane crash on it. And I, I think that's rightfully so. You know, why, you know, there's, there's all those pieces of the diamond inlay in the top of that headstock and there's three p- pieces missing. Yeah. And that tells the story of what happened to it. It's got its, its lines on its face. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to change it completely, you might as well buy a brand new guitar because... Sure, but, but the, the tone and the sound of that guitar... Yeah is on um you know that's he knew that that was his guitar and when he finally got it all repaired uh i think it says this in the book that he brought the guitar to rehearsal and they never rehearse uh do you feel like we do and so he said hey let's just let's just rehearse this one today and uh he started the first opening chords and stopped and looked behind and the band were like that's the guitar that's the guitar as far as flow of the book goes, the second artist then is Steve Marriott. So that makes sense coming off Peter Frampton exactly. into Steve Marriott because of Humble Pie. So uh, bravo. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Rock Solid listeners, it's Pat Francis. And I'm here to tell you that we are stepping up our audio game with the new Shure MV7 podcast microphone. Now, look, if you want to get the best audio out of your Zoom interviews, and I know you do, then you need to buy the MV7. It's perfect for podcasting, home recording, and gaming. It plugs right into the USB of your PC or your Mac, and it's ready to go. So take your sound to the next level with the Shure MV7 podcast microphone. You know what? I'm using it right now. Now back to the show. Wanted to ask you, how long does this book take to complete from the first photo until you finish how what's the process how long is this this one was eight years eight Um, years yeah and that's funny i have a a friend of mine and she writes like five books a year she writes these rock and roll horror novels Uh stacy lane wilson she's the daughter of don wilson from the ventures oh nice writer and i was telling her she asked me and i'm like eight years and she was like oh you know because she writes five books a year right and um but you know that there's a difference from sitting in a room and your imagination is flowing through your fingers into the keyboard versus i'm traveling all over the world and coming back and editing and writing and it, it's a it's a process to get access and you know once you, i have a goal of certain artists that i want to have in the book and if i don't have them i'm not publishing you know and then who who was the toughest get for you who did you wait for for a long time and then finally you hooked it yeah joan jett was very tough why was Uh, joan jett so tough uh, I don't know. I requested so many times and um, it was always just a hands down no. And I think um, I think she doesn't like photographers around her camp t- too much. Okay. For some reason. I don't really know the reason why. I kind of heard that, you know, she doesn't really like photographers around. And I think that maybe they they thought I wanted her to be in the photo or mm-hmm. the portrait, get a portrait of her with the guitar. And it's only the guitar. Yeah. So uh, finally, when I was nearing the end of this book, I I real I'd done a bunch of shoots at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they had a big Joan Jett display, and they had this Epiphone guitar in there from the Runaway days. And I'm like, I one last chance. Let me try one more time. So we went back to um, Kenny Laguna and said, Look, Lisa could photograph the guitar that's at the Rock Hall. All you have to do is say yes, send an email, yes, and she'll orchestrate all the rest with the Rock Hall. And they were cool with that. So, okay, that's um, good. Finally got it. Yeah. Now, what you do is different from what I do, but I will tell you that I've tried to get Joan on this show many times, and it's also been a hard no. So, who who knows? Who knows? But uh, I'm glad you got it, and it's really it's really a cool looking guitar. I mean. Totally. There's just like stickers on it. I mean, this thing, this has some, if this thing could talk. I mean, she came out early about being gay and like, it's all over her guitar. Yeah. She was, she was tough, man. She didn't care. She was like, this is who I am, mofos. Yeah. And if you don't like it, F off. That's right. You know? And she had that all over her, her guitar, even back then, you know, this is a 1965 Epiphone. Ow! 
you know, so I write in there what she said on her rock and roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. You know, they were pioneers. Yeah. And um, it was, they broke barriers. I mean, she was just amazing. And, and Susie Quacho, you know, she wrote the afterword and, and Susie had already broke. Joan hadn't yet. And so Susie was like her idol. She loved Susie and she went everywhere. Susie, she went. And so I love that Susie wrote the afterword for the book because really she was the first one female solo artist that broke. Yep. And uh, Susie's been on the show twice and I love her so much. I can't wait till she tours the States again so I can meet her because she was terrific. So Let's go to her show together when she comes, comes through LA. Let's all go. All right. We'll do it. I want to say, you know, just to toot my own horn, 12 of the artists in this book have been on my show. And that was pretty cool to open the table of contents and go, oh, Steve Stevens and Steve Howe and Lita Ford and Lawrence Juber. That was really fun for me. Also, you got, you got the ladies in here, which is good because if I'm being honest, there's not, there's not as many female rock guitarists as there are male guitarists. It's sad, but it's true. But you, but you got, you got Joan, you got Lucinda Williams, Nita Strauss, Orianthe, Patty Quattro, St. Vincent, um, Susanna Hoffs, Vicki Peterson. You, uh, you got them in here. So Jennifer Batten, Jennifer Batten. So, I mean, thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what I love about it is that you have the first women in rock. You know, right. so you've got Susie Quattro, you've got Patty Quattro, right. her sister, yeah. who was in Pleasure Seekers, mm-hmm. and um, Fanny, uh, and then Lita and Nancy Wilson. I mean, these were the forerunners. These ladies yeah. la- paved the way. Um, Lucinda, and then you know the next generation, which was the Bangles, Susanna Hoffs. I mean, they wouldn't have had the opportunities probably if it hadn't been for Joan and Susie and these other ladies and. And then you've got Susan Tedeschi, who I first saw her when she opened for the Rolling Stones, alone, a woman up wow. there on the stage. How she got that gig, I don't know, but there she was. And I was really impressed by her uh, back then. And then, you know, Jennifer Batten, she was groundbreaking with Michael Jackson wearing that Iroquois. I mean, yeah. she's also badass. And, uh, um, and and, and uh, gave the license for people like St. Vincent, who's a real performer, like performance art right. performer, you know, and um, so sophisticated. who's totally badass, you know, with Alice Cooper and now her solo work and Nita Strauss also. With Alice Cooper, sure. With Alice. So, yeah, I love having the, 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 the original ladies to the, you know, the middle that came after them and then the youth generation. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Now, some animals pop into a couple of these photos. I'm looking at Billy Duffy, his picture, and there's a, there's a dog in here with his, um, with his yeah. Gretsch white falcon. Right. I love that shoot that day. He showed up with his puppy, Winter, and uh, we did the photo shoot. And at the very end, you know, he was, Billy was with me the whole time Mm -hmm. during the shoot, like kind of like walking with me around the guitar and stuff like that. And so was the dog. 
So at the very end of the shoot, the dog kind of like walks right into my set and I just took a couple photos and, and got that. And, it was cool. And there's the dog right in the book. happened with uh, Dimebag Daryl. I was at um, his wife's or his, you know, his longtime partner, Rita's home where they lived. And he had, um, he was such a huge Kiss fan and he had Kiss pinball machines. And on one of them, we put the guitar up there and they had these Egyptian cats started walking around and jumping up. You just can't control them. No, no, you can't. I just shot around them and they look awesome in the photos. And the same thing with John Five. He also has one of those Egyptian hairless cats. And at the very end of the shoot, the whole time I was shooting, the cat was walking around my set, tiptoeing all around. And at the very end, I'd taken the last shot. It's like these animals know. It walked (laughs) right in, sat down on the black mat with its green covered toenails and lunged forward toward me. And I (laughs) got the shot. Amazing. Yeah, they own the place. You're in their house. That's Um, right. So you have a lot of artists in the book that uh, that have passed: Chris Squire, John Lennon, Johnny Cash, Kurt Cobain, uh, and I'm looking at Glenn Campbell right now. What's the process to photograph a guitar of an artist that's deceased? How do you uh, how do you go about securing that photo shoot? Yeah, often they're more difficult because you have to find the estates mm-hmm. uh, and get permission, and that's a lot harder to unearth. However, with Glen Campbell, they opened the Glen Campbell Museum in Nashville, so I, I contacted them and uh, Rick Olson who is the curator there and manager was the guitar player for Berlin. Okay. And so he totally understood the whole idea of wanting to celebrate these guitars. And of course I grew, we all grew up with Glenn Campbell and he was a member of the wrecking crew. And I was, I saw his last tour and it just made me cry. Yeah. He was just an amazing human being. And so I really wanted to photograph his guitar and they have them all at the Glen Campbell Museum. So they basically let me photograph whichever guitars I wanted. And we feature four or five of his guitars, including his very first guitar, which is a parlor guitar from Sears and Roebuck uh, with the hand painted horse on it. And before he passed, he had signed his name on the front and on the back so beautifully. I love you. You know, he loves he loved his fans. He loved his family and uh, he loved music. And maybe he loved that guitar. Maybe that's who he was writing. I love, you know, I love yeah, you. Yeah, good perspective. Uh, yeah, this, um, yeah, this guitar with the horse painted on the front, it, it looks like a child's guitar. It looks yeah. like a kid's first guitar from the 50s. It's, uh, it's and amazing. there is a picture of him in the museum holding that, his brother, I think, is actually holding the guitar in the picture in the museum, black and white shot. Yeah. This is fantastic. All these great Glenn Campbell guitars. So... You know, when we say, you know, immortal axes or when you think rock and roll, that's a lot of different things. That is Glenn Campbell. That is Johnny Cash. It's not just Steve Stevens. It's or Billy Duffy. It's these guys, too. So um, I and Buck Owens. I mean, this Buck, this Buck Owens guitar, this red, white and blue guitar. I mean, I've seen this a million times, you know, on TV. But, you know, to see it up close in your fabulous photo is just amazing. I mean, we all grew up listening to Buck Owens on TV, yeah. right? If you're, if you're around age 50 or so, I mean, we that's there were only like three channels and, and we all watched the he, Buck Owens. Yeah, Hee Haw was on. Yeah. Uh, so I know we've all seen that guitar and it's it's amazing. There were only five of those made wow. uh, that were his personal ones. And he gave some away um, as well, the signature ones, he, he would give, give his gifts, but that, yeah, that was one of his five that he had. And it was at the museum of design Atlanta. When I photographed it, there was mm-hmm. an exhibit there called wire and wood in which I helped to curate that exhibit. And, um, 
procuring guitars. We got a Kurt Cobain guitar from from uh, Mopop for it, and um, we got the Billy the Billy Duffy Gretsch, the Falcon Gretsch. I helped them get that guitar. They had Jack White's. Um, Jack White's the guitar that he's shown making, like on the log uh-huh. in, in uh, that movie. It might yes, get yeah, with Jimmy Page um, and The Edge. Yeah, the opening scene of Jack White banging on that thing mm-hmm. that was in that exhibit. Let me ask cool. you. Let me ask you a, a question, Lisa. When did you first pick up a camera and discover that you had a talent for taking pictures? I mean, everyone has a camera on their phone. We can all take a picture, but that's different from being a photographer. Yeah. I went to school for photography because I felt it would help me build a relationship with my dad because my dad had was an amateur photographer and he had all the cool filters, the red and the orange, and he'd be shooting the eclipse and stuff like that. So I got into photography as kind of a way to connect with him. And um, I at first was not very confident of my photography at all. I went through college and it just seemed like everyone else in the room was a better photographer mm-hmm. than me. Like I was hiding my pictures. I didn't want anyone to see. And then I ended up uh, getting a job with Eastman Kodak Company. And that's where I really learned photography because we had to utilize the films that we were selling. So we had to, they trained us how to do portrait photography, how to do product photography, how to, so I really honed my, my craft there. And I, um, as a Kodak rep, I repped photographers. So all around New York City, I would be in all these studios and I would like see how they would create imagery. And there was one photographer who really had a huge impression on me and her name is Joyce Tennyson. And she told me, you have to develop your own signature style. And that way, no one can copy you. Yeah. And so that's why I hone in on the details. I'm like that kind of person. I like to analyze things up close and personal. Mm-hmm. And so I noticed that about my photos. And uh, bef- before, when she said that to me, I realized I like to hone in. You know. So yeah. that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to make that my signature style. And that's why my images are separated from others because usually you see these guitars photographed on a white background or gray background or um, I like to, the mine are more gritty and they're more in the um, interior, like intimate uh, feeling right. in the person's home or backstage, just using available light or what light I can get. I've used different films over the years. Um, but what I've maintained consistent is my lens. So I use a 35 millimeter uh, f2.8 macro lens so I can get in close and then I can also pull back to get the full guitar. Um, and I think that's what separates me from, from the rest. And I, realizing when I was good at my craft, um, I don't, I, I'm really my worst, my own worst critic because I, I never think I'm, it's good enough. Sure. You know? So I'm not going to ever say that I'm I, I feel, think I'm a great photographer because I uh, there's so many amazing photographers out there that I just re- admire and revere of their technical skills and their craftsmanship. So yeah, well, I think once you get to the point where you're like I've got this, then you're you're coming on the down the downward slope. I think you always exactly. have to be challenging yourself with every single uh, guitar, every single photo. Like you said at the beginning, you think this book's better than my first one. And in my mind, I think it is too. Yeah. And I think it's because we always are honing our craft. We're always up leveling ourselves. We're always pushing ourselves to be better. And I listen to all the feedback that I get and try to incorporate it in. So, you know, I always, I look at images and I go, oh, I could have done better. I could have done better. Yeah. Like, like you said, anyone could, anyone can take a guitar, put it in a guitar stand on a white background and take a pic, take a glamour shot of it. But I'm looking at the headstock of Malcolm Young's guitar, and to me, this is beautiful, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, that would be on page 165 for you, since we're both looking at our beautiful books in front of yeah, us. Yeah, I love that shot too. It's, so good. It's um, you can just see the years of wear and tear on that guitar that he played that, and that's the back in black. And that was my third concert ever. And so he was playing this Gretsch when I saw that 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 show. And, and you know, this thing is just amazing. You can see, it's like the Jimmy Page mm-hmm. neck. Yeah. You know, headstock. You, you see the sweat, the, that's, 
you could, that it got wet and it's all cracked, the patina. And then you flip the page and you just see the hourglass shape of the Gretsch and how beautiful it is with the F holes and the pickups. Yeah. That classic Gretsch uh, tailpiece on there. The headstock, it's it's got like some ye- yellow on it. That's probably that's probably cigarette nicotine. Who knows what? I mean, this just this just smells like rock and roll. Yeah. When you you look at this picture and you you just know what the guitar smells like. Even it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it look even the 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 plate, the Gretsch plate that says the White Falcon yeah. on it. Yeah, it's all rusted out. I mean, that's from from moisture. Yeah. So you got to know he was playing that hard and sweating all over it. And people, people not in the know would look at a guitar like that and go, why doesn't he get a new guitar? But <laughs> that's not what it's about. It's about, it's about the relationship that he's formed with that guitar. It's just incredible. It's so about good. the energy frequency and vibration that that guitar is holding from right. all the years of playing. I mean, that guitar knows him. He knows that guitar. Now, let me ask you this. Since you had one rock and roll picture book under your belt, did that make it easier to secure some of the people in this book? Because you could actually show them, you know, what you do. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. You know, and my first book also came out in a paperback Mm -hmm. format. So after I would photograph many of the guitars for this book, I would give them a copy of that book. Yeah. Thank you. Nice. Um, And of course, artists share that. It's on their coffee table. There's other artists around and they see it. And then someday I request and they they know that they've already seen the book. So definitely it, it absolutely helped. Now, has sure. it? I mean, these books are calling cards. The books yeah. are not money making. It's I'm not making zillions of dollars off of publishing these books. Not at all. You know, it's a big investment for me just to get access and get the content. So, um, they're a calling card. And so, yeah, the first book definitely opened doors. I mean, I can't believe how inexpensive this book is to purchase because when I look through it, I feel like this book should cost three hundred dollars. Because People just said the, that about my first book too, yeah. because it was re- a red leatherette bound book. It should have been a three hundred and fifty dollar book for sure. Yeah, I mean, but just um, the, you know, the the everything about this book is 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 gorgeous. I mean, the you know, it's this is not cheaply done. It's it's incredible. So yeah, I can understand when you tell me you're not making a uh, million dollars on this book. I get I get it because it it costs so much to create this book. Yeah. Well, my publisher, Princeton Architectural Press, they're a fantastic publisher. Um, they they want to sell books. Yeah. I mean, they're in the business to sell books. So they, you know, we had to we had to lessen the amount of content so we could keep it at three hundred and eighty eight pages. It could have been another extra hundred pages, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they they are the ones who priced it at sixty dollars. Um, I've had to go with their guidance on it. Yeah. The first book was more of a self-published effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it was underpriced, you know, but I as also was more of an unknown author. That was my very first book. Yeah. So now, you know, they, they, they want to sell books. They want to get this out to the masses. So why not? It's, and it's already in talks for a Japanese edition right now. Um, which is really nice early in the game. It's just been out for, uh, a, let's see, a week. Yeah. Tuesday was one week. So, you know, and it's already being published in Japan pretty soon. So, and we're recording, we're recording this in in October. Christmas is around the corner. People, if you're listening right now and you have a rock and roll fan in your family, uh, whether they're male or female, young or old, here's the Christmas gift. This is going to be something that someone's going to open up and just be like, what is this? And then as soon as they start flipping through these pages, 
they're they're going to be lost in this for hours, just looking and reading. It's really amazing, and this this is a kind of a gift that someone's not going to be expecting, and you're going to really surprise them with this. So that's that's what I'm saying. Put this on your Christmas list. Um, All right, that's really cool. Yeah, and it's not an overwhelming amount of text. They're short no, stories, right? And it's not so technical that someone who doesn't play guitar is going to be bored by it. I wasn't, and I don't play guitar, and I found it all fascinating. Now that you have a book like this and you had 108 rock star guitars, do any artists come to you? Does it work in reverse? Like, hey, why wasn't I in that first book? I want to be in that next book. (laughs) Well, that's happened with Dick Wagner. Um, I uh, was at the rock and roll autograph show when this my first book launched and I was doing a book signing It was my very first book signing and Dick Wagner was there signing autographs bless his bless his soul he was such a kind man and he passed away uh, a few years back but he walked up to me and he started flipping through the pages and he said well how come I'm not in this book it's a great book how come I'm not in it I go I'm so sorry I go I'm not sure who you are I'm Lisa Johnson he said well, I'm Dick Wagner. I'm like, oh, Dick, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't recognize you. And I would love to have your guitar in my next book, which I'm already shooting mm-hmm. and for. And he said, well, why don't you come by? He was uh, at Sunset Sound Studios. He was recording a, a song there, kind of like a We Are the World thing for charity. Okay. And uh, he invited me to come over there and I photographed his guitars. Uh, that was one of the shoots. And then his longtime guitar tech had um, some other of his guitars from his Alice Cooper days, the Les Paul, uh, at his home. So I went to Detroit and I photographed those that are in the book. For people that don't know, Dick Wagner worked with Alice after the Alice Cooper band was done and Alice was moved into his more solo career. Then Dick right. Wagner was a primary songwriter with Alice. So that's yep. an excellent score and good for Dick for uh, for asking because you don't get things if you don't ask. That's right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, let's talk about uh, Michael Anthony's uh, bass in here. This is the Jack Daniels bass. We've all seen this on stage or in videos, and it's so cool to see the back of it because we ha- I've never seen the back of this bass before. Yeah, that is such a cool bass. Um, and it was such a cool opportunity to photograph it because I was photographing Lita Ford's guitars mm-hmm. and uh his the same uh, guitar tech Kevin Dugan everyone knows him by Doogie uh he was he's also Michael Anthony's uh guitar tech perfect I was there shooting Lita's guitars and at the end of the shoot he goes hey I brought a surprise for you I'm like (laughs) oh what's that and he opens up the case and there's Michael Anthony's bass totally unexpected and um he's just such a sweetheart Doogie
And that's the cool thing that I get access to these guitars and I do get to photograph the back of them. Yeah. And you don't get to see the back of the guitars. That's so true. That's why real guitar aficionados will love this book because they get to see the guitars up close, personal, and the back, which they don't normally get to see. Now, uh, uh, Doogie brings this guitar out, but then you have to get Michael's permission then to include it in the oh, book. Oh, no, he already had Michael. He already had it. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Perfect. Uh, yeah. The, wor- the work was done. Thank you, sir. Lita, I'm looking at Lita's uh, guitar right now. The, I, I guess it's the Black Widow or the, what is it called? Uh, it just has that Black Widow yeah, that's Maurice. That's her guitar. She gotcha. calls it Maurice. Um, after the father on Bewitched. Oh wow! And um, it's just a badass guitar. Yeah, um, it's cool. And then the, you know, that's her insignia. That red triangle thing. Yeah. For the um, the Black Widow, like the the female Black Widow has a that red marking underneath the body. If you didn't know that. Yeah. 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 And the, and I think Lita has that tattooed on her arm too. Gigantic. Yeah. Yeah. She's all about that. Where she lives, there's all these black widows around all the time. She's always taking pictures of them and sending them to the band to freak them out. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, she loves the BC rich and it just looks so cool. Like yeah. a, it looks like a weapon, these guitars that Lita uses. Totally. And she knows how to wield them, too. <laughs> that, and I happened to be wearing that day this scarf that uh, Robert Chirillo, the bass player from Metallica, I happened to be wearing this scarf, and um, his wife is Chloe Chirillo, and she's an amazing painter. Okay. This is one of her scarves, one of her paintings. She made a scarf um, out of that artwork. She makes clothing now, swimsuits and stuff like that. And I happened to be wearing that scarf, and I'd already, um, you know, I'd use the black background for the double neck. Yeah. And I'm like, this guitar needs something more. And so I laid down that scarf and we got Maurice on it. Yeah, it really makes it really makes the guitar pop when it's a black guitar and it's on this colorful scarf background. It's really nice. Really cool. Yeah, unfortunately, um, I by accident spelled Maurice wrong. So it's actually M-O-R-I-C-E, just to be correct. All and right. we already have that corrected for the next printing. Um, so, yeah, I sent Lee to the book, and she goes, this is so beautiful, and Maurice is spelled wrong. Can you please correct <laughs> And uh, uh, Isn't that the worst? That's just... I know. I know. You're just like, ugh. But, um, look, every every book you pick up has a, has a, a small mistake somewhere, I'm sure. Now you take all the photos and then now you're looking at them and you have to pick the one. These are all your babies. How do you, how do you Sophie's choice this picture? How do you choose the one? It's so hard. The editing process is the hardest because I want to show every view. Like you can see this Hendrix guitar behind me. I have, there's 12 images here to show every view. So how do you pick the one? that everyone wants to see because like you pointed out, you love that headstock of Malcolm Young's yeah. Gretsch. Uh, and I have a lot of other incredible headstocks I wasn't able to include because something on the body of a guitar was more important. So you just kind of pick what is the most important, what's going to flow in the book. Um, what is the most beautiful one that shows the most overall and then you choose that. And then it's like when you do an exhibit, you might be able to put an alternate image in or my website. Um, it's in development now. Mm-hmm. I may show other views on the website like where you can showcase a collection and it changes all the time. So, you know, yeah. you can feature it, but it's not always there. Yeah, it's tricky because you don't want to put too many images on your website and then then people might not go buy the book because they'll go, oh, just look yeah, at right. it on there. So exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. John Lennon. Just incredible. So amazing. I mean, John Lennon, I, I, as I mentioned before, I used to live in New York City and I was a Kodak rep there and Bob Gruen was one of my clients. And he had a young girl working for him at the time, part-time, Mar- Carla Merrifield. And Carla um, ended up getting, he, you know, Bob was close to Yoko Ono because mm-hmm. he, was, he was their photographer. And so uh, Carla ended up working part-time for Yoko as well. And so now this today, she is Yoko Hono's right hand person. She wow. does everything for Yoko and the whole John Lennon archives. And so I knew her for many, many years. And um, toward the end of this book, I also said, hey, would it be possible? And she asked Yoko and Yoko agreed. And I have a beautiful signed handwritten or typed letter, but writ- signature with Yoko Ono. On That's it. fantastic. Uh, I want to tell people that uh, the George Harrison guitar in here photographed January 5th, 2021. When was, what was the last? That was the last that, shoot? This was the last one. This was the, the last, last shoot. Shoots. So I did, the, I did the Lennon guitar. Uh, I forget what date it was, you know, a couple of years before. And then. It was, um, uh, yeah, it was November 26, 2019 for the Lennon guitar. Yeah. So 2019 and then 2020. And 2021. Yeah. So 2020, December 2020, I flew to London and photographed Paul McCartney's base. And then January 2021, I flew one last time to Indianapolis to photograph the George Harrison SG that he used on the Revolver album. So the last two shoots for the book were Paul McCartney and George Harrison. Perfect. What a way to close it out. What a way. Let me tell you how it will be There's one for you, 19 for me Cause I'm the tax man Yeah, I'm the tax man Should 5% appear too small Now, when do you know that you're finished? Like, do you have, like, there's 157 artists in here. What are you trying to, what are you trying to achieve? How many are you, do you want to get? How many does it have to be a certain amount of pages? What, what's your, yeah. what's the criteria for knowing that we're done? The publisher gives you a deadline and you have to have everything in by this date. Okay. So you go, okay, what, what can I cram in before I have to hand everything in? And so I had, you know, I had it, I had the content. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to, to, um, finish without having Paul McCartney and George Harrison because I already had John Lennon. It just, I needed the trio, you know, needed them all. And so I may have held back if I hadn't been able to get them. Gotcha. It's, it's that important. Um, but, you know, basically the the publisher will ask you, when do you think you can be done? And I tried to push it forward. I actually said, do you think I could have until March? And they were like, no. <laughs> so, okay, you got it. January 30th, I handed everything in. Now, after you take the photo, do you immediately write the text because it's fresh in your mind? Because I would think if you wait too long... And you photograph like 10 guitars and now you have to write text for yeah. 10 things that you're going to get. It's going to get crazy. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do it right away. And mm-hmm. that is the best way and it the best is. habit to make. Uh, and others times I, I didn't, you know, I, I had my notes there and I had to go back and decipher my notes. Um, 
and so it's it's kind of an organic process. Uh, I think it's like I said, it's always best to do it right away. Right. Or else you feel like you're in you're in high school and you didn't do your book report. You waited to the yeah. last minute. Uh, two right. more questions for you, Lisa. Then I'm going to let you go. Do you have a favorite guitar in this book? Again, we are, you are not saying that you like one artist over another artist. You're strictly saying, do you have a favorite guitar in the book? Yeah, uh, that is really tough because I love so many of them. Um, but I'm going to say my favorite image in the book mm-hmm. is of Paul McCartney's 63 Hoffner bass. All right. I absolutely love that image. It's so regal. Mm-hmm. And he is the ultimate rock royalty, you know? Yeah, true. I mean, true. And he's still with us. And Paul McCartney can't go anywhere without people knowing that's Paul McCartney. So pretty amazing. Uh, My final thing is, is there another book? Is there another rock guitar book? Or I was thinking, could could you do drummers? Could you do drum sets? I mean, a drum set has many different components. Um, a guitar does too, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I definitely have, have, have been seriously considering a book on drums mm-hmm. in my style of okay. photography, yes. uh, which has not been done. It's been done. There are drum books out there mm-hmm. and I'd like to have a more intimate, um, uh, view show the more intimate view of the drum. I have a whole bunch of ideas of how I would like to, I already have the whole idea of That's how great. I would love to the drums. I love it. And I actually have a couple of um, drummers that are, have already said yes, that I could, that I could do it. So I may just do a study okay. of these cup two artists that have said yes, um, just to see what, it, how I feel, how I like it. Uh, however, there are still other guitars out yeah. there. Like uh, as many guitars, I've shot 600, over 600 guitars at this point. And there's still more. Like, I don't have Mark Knopfler. I can't get through to him. I can't get through to Angus Young. Um, there's Stevie Ray Vaughan, Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. Uh, that's just to name a few. I mean, I could tell you, I could, I've got a list going. I know, bet. So yeah. Coach Drummer, you know, um, Adam Jones from Tool. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. So when you pick up one of Lisa's books and you leaf through it and you say, how, how is this person not in this book? Look, she's trying, folks. She, if, yeah. if she would get them, they'd be in the book. So uh, more to come from Lisa S. Johnson. Lisa, I always end the show with a playout song. Okay. Let's do a song. Would you like to do a song by Peter Frampton since he did the foreword? Do you have love a song? It. What song yeah. would you like me to play as our playout song? I love Lines on My Face. Okay, you got it. It's going to be Lines on My Face. Now look, people, you can buy this book right now, Immortal Axes, Guitars That Rock. You can follow Lisa on Twitter at LSJ Rock Photos. No website yet. Immortalaxes.com. Immortalaxes.com. Perfect. Yes. And are you on Instagram? Yes. So I have two Instagrams, Immortal Axes okay. or LSJ Rock Photos. All right. Lisa, congratulations. You hit it out of the park once again. It was so nice to see you. And I look forward to seeing you in person again. Until then, here is Lines on My Face. Thanks, right. Lisa. Thank you, Pat. Great Take to care. see you. Bye-bye. Bye.
waiting on fate I somehow got the feeling There's no answer We live on your doorstep Made you my wife I don't need that Yeah. 